So you've launched a new store. Then you ask yourself, how do I get people to my new store? While there are several different strategies, today we're going to be talking about what Rian knows best, SEO. This week on the podcast, we're giving you an introduction to SEO, what it is, why it matters, and how to utilize keywords and blogging to get your store and products found by new customers. Let's dig in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify. I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce. merchants get more out of their Facebook Messenger and SMS marketing campaigns? I recommend Octane AI, the leading Facebook Messenger and SMS platform for Shopify and Shopify Plus merchants. How does it work? Using their built-in flows, conversational ads, and retargeting campaigns, you can easily unlock Messenger and SMS as new revenue channels. The platform has ready-to-go integrations with top apps such as Clavio, Privy, Recharge, and Justuno. What kinds of returns can I expect? Merchants using Octane AI report 80 to 95% open rates, a 7x increase in click-through rates, and even a 7 to 20% increase in revenue. This sounds great. Where can I learn more? You can start a 14-day free trial by requesting a demo at octaneai.com or by visiting the Shopify App Store and searching for Octane AI. Good morning, Rian. Good morning, Kelly. How was your long weekend? Well, my long weekend was l- long-ish. <laughs> I'm not great at taking time off. I'm going to be really honest with you. And Same. I, I'm not into that whole hustle kind of culture, but I also feel like I have accidentally fallen into it during the pandemic. And maybe that's because I'm not going out, right? So it's like, oh, well, I'm bored. What should I do? I've already read for four hours. Maybe I should work <laughs> some more. I don't know. I, are you feeling the same way? I'm, yeah, definitely for the pandemic, I'm, I'm feeling the same way. But Labor Day weekend is a special weekend for me because this is the first time in either six or seven years that I was not on vacation for Labor Day. This is the year, this is the time we always go on vacation because we get that extra day off for September and it's shoulder season for traveling. So it's a really good time to be traveling around Europe. So being home for Labor Day was kind of weird, but here we are. It's a pandemic and things are different. This is 2020. This is 2020. Okay, so unrelated but important question. What's your favorite place you've ever been? Oh boy, okay. So I have two because I can't rank them the same way. The first one is New Zealand. It's freaking beautiful. I got to spend two weeks there and I absolutely fell in love with the country. It is a far place to travel. So we needed those two weeks and we did like a week in the North Island and a a week in the South Island and it was still wasn't nearly enough time to see everything. The reason why I can't count it to be the same as other trips is because we were there for so long though. Um, my other favorite place is Ljubljana in Slovenia. It is a very youthful city. It's very clean. It's very green. Uh, they have like a lot of recycling centers. They have like somebody driving around in a golf cart to just take you to wherever you want to go. It's, it is super, I don't know. I just absolutely fell in love with the city. So I always, I, whenever, you know, like the Facebook memories that come yeah, up, yeah. you can see your old travel pictures every single time Ljubljana comes up. I'm like, oh, I want to go back. 
that I haven't been there, so I'm going to add that to my list of places to go. That sounds, it was a great trip. Nice. It was that was uh, Ljubljana, or that was uh, Slovenia, Croatia, and Bosnia and Herzegovina. So we did like ten, eleven days uh, doing the doing a little uh, circle there. Uh, Mostar was a really cool city too. But uh, I did Finland in February, and I'm really glad we got at least one trip in this year. And absolutely loved the country. And plus, going to Finland in February is like a winter wonderland. So I loved it. That sounds. Do you have a like a special set of clothes for traveling to cold Europe during? I do. The, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I live in Georgia, so right. like, why would I have winter clothes? So I layer. I I just do a lot of layering. But my winter jacket is also my ski jacket, and so I just wear my ski jacket everywhere I go. Okay, Kelly. Second important question. Again, I already know the answer, but this is a fun fact about you that I love. Do you pack a suitcase? No, I'm a backpack person. <laughs> I'm a backpacker. And I'm not like the like backpacking, camping, hiking kind of backpacking. I do not like rolling suitcases. I think they're annoying, especially when you're trying to walk down like a cobblestone path. Yeah. So I do backpacks everywhere I go. And it's great. We recently got uh, new ones a couple years ago, I think, that, that unzip like a suitcase our backpacks so I don't know they're really great uh Daniel is officially on the packing cube uh on the hustle I guess yeah yeah um I haven't gotten there yet so my clothes are just like a huge mess inside my bag and that's totally fine they get there I can I can dress myself in another country and that's the goal that is that is always the goal (laughs) do you have clothes when you arrive I thankfully have never lost a bag while traveling but that's because you put it on your back knock on wood if you don't check a well, bag, it's really hard to lose I do a check bag. a bag, though. Oh, it's a large bag. Oh, I didn't know you checked a bag. Okay. It's like 45 or 60 liters. It's, it's not a small bag. Oh, okay. Because we're usually traveling, especially for, like, winter trips. Like, it's it's always funny now when we pack for a summer trip, a trip, and I use that same bag, and it's, like, half full. I'm like, I don't know what else to put in here, which means I have a lot of room to take wine home. So. <laughs> I like that that's where it leads. I love that. I, too, miss travel. Um, I've been digitally traveling on the internet. and I'm looking, Surfing the web. I've been surfing the web and looking at things. I really like the monocle guides to travel. I subscribe to the magazine. Um, but I subscribe to Scott's Cheap Flights, and so I always look oh. at the flight deals that come up, and I'm like, oh, I can't book right now. They are oh, cheap I shouldn't right, book now. right now. Don't. They're very cheap. They're very cheap. They just released uh, domestic flights as well. And so I occasionally get like nonstop round trip to New York City for $26. $26 is so cheap. I would be afraid it's I would so fall cheap. out of the airplane at $26. <laughs> like that's Thankfully not that's not, not an airplane case, but... at that point. They're, you're really just, they're magicking you there. And it's not like you're flying like Frontier or anything. This is like Delta or JetBlue. Ooh, that was some shit American against Frontier. United. You're like, uh, it's not like you're flying Frontier. Or what's well, Frontier the other and one? Spirit, our Fr- budget. I flew Spirit one time. Oh my Same. god. First and last time. I, uh, you know, it is incredibly expensive to fly from LA to Detroit uh, because it's like Delta's big hub. Yeah. So it was either Delta for like a thousand dollars. I was like, okay, first of all, I'm not leaving the country. I'm not spending a thousand dollars. So then I flew Spirit. On a red eye. <laughs> I never done it. I've never done it again. It was a terrible idea. That's a feat. It was a the choice. The fact that you, yeah, I, no. It was a bad choice. for me. Nope, nope, nope. 
Detroit is one of my favorite places to fly into because they have base they're two separate terminals but they're literally like physically separated um for everything that's delta or everything delta flies into i think it's mcnamara is what it's called and then everything else flies into the other terminal they have like a specific like it's almost like there's a delta airport <laughs> it is feel like it's a delta airport and so for listeners now you're like wait a second has commerce tea pivoted into a travel podcast and the answer is unfortunately Maybe. not <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess at this point we should stop with our tangents and actually talk about what we're, we're discussing okay, this fine, week, which fine, is SEO. Fine, fine. Okay. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Um, you can talk about it all day, and I love that. I can, but for the purpose of this podcast, I think we're only going to touch on it a little bit so that that way there's some actionable takeaways, and, and it's not – if any of y'all have ever gone to one of Kelly's of my classes through Growth Lab, you'll know that that's like an hour and a half, and even then it – it barely scratches the surface of SEO and it's a lot and can feel really overwhelming. So I think our goal today is to give you a few actionable takeaways and that way we can do this again and there will be some more actionable takeaways we didn't get to the first time and that way you can exactly. feel, you know, that I don't like feeling overwhelmed so I'm not trying to overwhelm It'll y'all. still be a packed episode because SEO is a lot to unpack. Yes. Yeah. Kelly has like 10 things listed here. Uh, so we're probably going to get to a few. We'll see. Let's start with the first one. <laughs> Rian. Yes. What is SEO? SEO is search engine optimization. And for okay, and what that means is how do you get to the first page on Google? And the reason I talk about Google almost entirely just explicitly Google is because it makes up the vast majority of searches on the web. And also if you if you optimize for Google, you're you're fine for all the other search engines. Uh, Bing's algorithm is not radically different than Google's. They ha- they are not reinventing the wheel. They are chasing Google up the hill. Everyone's chasing Google. Everyone's yes. chasing Google. So if you are optimized for Google, you are optimized. Uh, you might hear me use the term SERP, S-E-R-P, which is search engine results page. All that means is when you Google something and you make a search inquiry, which is when you put the words in the top bar, a SERP is what comes up. And that so that first page, second page, third, th- those are your, your SERPs. Um, SEO folks love to say that you shouldn't be on the second page. You need to be on the first page of Google. So I know there's value to being on the first page of Google. Do you have any statistics about how, like what percentage of customers use that first page of Google to actually find whatever it is they're looking for? Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes okay. sense. So Moz actually did a great survey about that. We'll link it to the, in the show notes. And this is verbatim uh, from them. And the vast majority of respondents of their survey, and remember, a survey is always just a, sm- a sample size, right? So this isn't ubiquitous to everybody. Uh, they remain on the first page of Google to find an answer to their query. But remember, query is not always the same as query to buy for e-commerce. There's a difference between SEO in total and an SEO for e-commerce or for Shopify. So 75% of the respondents to their survey click on the first one or two results. Now, they again, I just wanna like hammer this home, 
they are interviewing everybody. So if you're, whether you're searching for Justin Timberlake or you're searching for <laughs> Justin Timberlake t-shirts or you're searching for black t-shirt, they are not identifying the difference here. What I have seen through, and I, I have a lot of access to many, a lot of, a lot of people's Google Analytics. Um, and what I have noticed is people who are shopping will go to the second page they tend to drop off after the second page. Okay. But especially if it's for a broad search term, like t-shirt or black t-shirt. But when you start narrowing it down, then it starts getting real. Yeah, because you're used to it at this point. You're like, okay, I know the first four are ads because they're always ads. And then, and then they go down after that. Okay. So this might be a pretty obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why does SEO matter? Because if your site is not optimized for search, it, okay, so one thing that's important to know, and I say this all the time, and that, so I want everyone to think about SEO like a multi-dimensional Rubik's Cube. So not a regular Rubik's Cube, you know, like those really, as if a Rubik's Cube isn't difficult enough. You know, the ones that are like the super Rubik's Cubes that ha- that are really, really large, that are shaped yeah. like a, a... I can't do a regular Rubik's I Cube, so... Say, my business partner can do one in like two minutes. I can't do one at all. But yeah, it's one of those giant Rubik's Cubes with all those sides. That is SEO. That is search. And people tend to think search is this either one specific thing and, and therefore it kind of exists on its own, but it really doesn't. It exists alongside of CRO, uh, which is conversion rate optimization. It exists alongside PPC, pay-per-click, which is just ad, you know, AdWords, Facebook ads, Instagram ads. It exists alongside influencer marketing. It exists alongside all of these things and together is how you get your store found. Now, the thing is, is when you build your store on Shopify, you're essentially building your store just in the middle of nowhere, right? It's like, okay, I'm building my store in the middle of Missouri and there are no roads that lead to it. You have to build- Poor Missouri. <laughs> Poor Missouri, sorry Missouri, it was the first state I could think of. Um, so so your, your city, or your city, your, your store's in the middle of Missouri, there are no roads, now you have to build the roads. And when you're building the roads, you have to also build a foundational store because no matter how good your roads are, if the store sucks when you get there, people are gonna leave and you're going to become irrelevant and the roads are going to break. All of that is a huge analogy for saying, if your store is not optimized, I do not care how much money you spend on Facebook ads and Instagram ads and Snapchat ads or whatever, eventually your capital will dry out when it comes to that type of ad buy and all of the traffic that you have generated, which helps amplify your SEO or gives you like SEO juice, so to speak, will go away because you've been, you've been directing traffic to a page that is not compliant with Google's best practices. Yeah. So it matters. Oh yeah. 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 That was a really long answer for why does it matter? Um, But it's a good analogy. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good visual representation. So one of the things that's talked about a lot in terms of SEO are keywords. So what exactly is a keyword? And I think it's worth touching on the the idea of keyword stuffing as well. Oh yeah, I don't like keyword stuffing. So a keyword, so Google's algorithm, I'm like, so back in the day, 
2013. Okay, so now I'm not going to do that. So a keyword is it, it, it is a word that Google attaches uh, your item to. So for instance, a t-shirt. And right now I'm wearing, a, okay, let's actually use what I'm wearing right now for, for, for my own sake, for explanation. So I'm wearing a denim, a sustainable denim shirt. And those three things are keywords on their own. But really, so, so it used to be, okay, denim shirt, that's considered a long tail keyword, right? Because it's more than one word. So short tail keyword, which is shirt. Then there's denim shirt, long tail. What is really an optimal keyword here is sustainable denim shirt. And the reason this matters is Google rolled out in 2016 and now it did like a, a soft rollout and now the rollout is wide. It's an algorithm called RankBrain which uses AI and it actually re returns results at a higher percentage of accuracy than human beings do. And the reason it matters is for a while SEO people and people in general in e-commerce are like, well, SEO is dead because rank brains just kind of kind of get it. But the thing is, is if you don't give Google any point of reference, there's nothing to latch onto. You need keywords to give Google a point of reference as to what you are selling on the internet. You can't just be like, shirt, and it's going to figure out from scanning your, you know, scanning your page that, oh, you actually sell sustainable denim shirts that are made in the United States, and this is why this matters. Like, you have to explain all of that stuff, and that's using keywords, and it's also using copywriting. Now, what you don't wanna do is get caught in a trap and the best, the best example I can think of keyword stuffing, I see it all over the place, but the place that springs to mind is eBay, where, oh, you look yeah. at the where you look at the title and you're like, yes, I fully understand what you're selling because you said it in 30 different ways in 20 words. Don't do that. And Google can actually remove your results from the internet forever. They put you on the naughty list, so to speak. So you don't want to do things that Google considers bad practices because they will leverage punishments against you. And let me tell you, in a you versus Google argument, you aren't winning. <laughs> You're not going to win. <laughs> You're not win you're like here's my one attorney and then they're like okay cool we're a trillion dollar company so that that's my that's my thoughts on keywords are super important the best way to do research for keywords uh that i like to do research for is first of all identify who your competitors are and it's important to also be realistic about your competitors right you have your direct competitors people who you're like ah peer to peer these are my competitors and then you have your aspirational competitors and i say that because once i consulted for a streetwear company and i was like what's your competitor who's your competitor they're like nike and i was like no, I mean your actual competitor. Like, you're I not love competing when people against are Nike. Like, my biggest competitor is Amazon. I'm like, no, it is not. No, Let's try this again. No, and it's okay to be where you are. And Kelly and I talk about this offline. It like, there's no point in pretending to be something you're not. Right? Like, own where you're at. Because when you're honest with yourself, you will get better results. Do not lie to yourself about who your competitors are. It does not help you. Now, I, but I do believe in having aspirational competitors. If Nike is your aspirational competitor, great. Like, I'm sure. By all means. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know Allbirds personally, but 
I'm sure when they started, they weren't like, we are chasing the entire shoe market, but now they are. Or movement, I mean, movement disrupted the watch market. And, and there you have, any company has the ability to go up against and rank up against the giants, but you've got to start somewhere and that somewhere isn't Nike. So. You know what I'm really happy about? What's that? I didn't mention Allbirds in the episode first, you did. Oh, I did. <laughs> and also, we haven't mentioned Allbirds for like four episodes. I know. Allbirds, we're still taking spot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're just kidding, but seriously. But, but seriously. But seriously. Also, I'll take free shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so one thing before we move on to how to find keywords for your store. Yes. It's interesting to me that a long tail keyword is as short as two words because voice search is becoming more and more popular as people are using Siri to search for things or Alexa or you know whatever else. So what is, like I picture like a longer ta- tail keyword to be like a phrase almost. Yes, and, and it's a conversational inquiry is what people are making now. So a few years ago, people would just put in sustainable denim t-shirt, sustainable denim shirt. Now it's, where do I find a blah, 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 blah. I literally use Google like that. And I I didn't realize, like, I I didn't used to. I used to do, like, plus sustainable, plus denim. Oh, my gosh. In the olden days, it's like you use it like you use JSTOR. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So it's become more conversational. Uh, It has become entirely more conversational. And I do think you're right when it comes to that being led by voice search. Voice search is is going to come over. It's supposed to be over 40% by the end of 2020 of all searches. I would say, and I don't, this is not official data, but this is my hypothesis, which by the way is three-fourths of what people in my profession do is we look at data and we make educated guesses on what the ramifications are because Google makes hundreds of changes to to the algorithm a year and they do not tell us. They tell us about four or five times. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and very rarely are, the, are, are what they tell us as specifics. Only if they are huge, major, major things do they say, okay, really? Like this, you know, back in the day it was like, okay, Mobilegeddon is coming, which means if you're not mobile friendly, you're getting downranked off the internet forever do it besides announcements like that they don't tell us so they don't we are left and it's always so interesting like seeing the messages like oh health-based stores are seeing a significant shift in their ranking yeah something must have changed and then it's like working backwards on figuring out what happened yeah we're constantly reverse engineering what's going on and it's often i I, my business partner wrote a book on SEO a long time ago and, and our constant joke, I'm a brutal editor and the constant joke is he wrote an entire chapter about the scientific method and why it matters. And I was like, no one's gonna read this chapter, it's gotta go. But at the same time, there is something to that. You, that We have a hypothesis as SEO professionals and then we work backwards to try to prove our hypothesis. Sometimes we are wrong. Uh, I try to not be yep. wrong, but that does not mean I am never wrong because as, does that make me a scientist? No, I'm not a scientist. But I, I think it's important to know that. Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about what keywords are. We talked about how to dis- determine who your competitors truly are. So how do we find keywords for our store? 
I have a few different ways to do it. One, I literally look, and this is very not scientific. It's super old school. I love a whiteboard, so I have a whiteboard. And I will go and look at the competitors uh, of a specific brand, and I will start writing them down. Because you start noticing patterns of what people are saying, right? And you have a good idea of what the keywords are going to be, but... If, if you're coming to me and you're saying, Rian, I'm selling denim shirts. I'm like, well, what makes your denim shirt special? That's, that's going to be the first question I'm going to ask you because, oh, well, it's sustainable. It's made in the United States. It's union made. It's this. Okay, hold on a second. So we're not selling a denim shirt anymore. We're selling a specific type of denim shirt. And so you start looking at competitors in that space. You start looking at the, the keywords that the competitors are using and you make a list. Now, the other way to use it is by using Google AdWords keyword planner you have to change it from basic to pro and you can use the keyword planner to look at search volume and cost of ads and also it's search volume search uh the cost and the competition and i like to look at in a perfect world you start optimizing for things that have high volume low competition in the real world sometimes you're optimizing for high volume, high competition. But either way, it gives you an idea of other types of keywords. Other tools, if you're looking for paid tools that I really recommend are Moz. Okay, before before you go into the paid tools, yes. that's an important point to make. You can use AdWords Keyword Planner on the pro level for free. For free, but you do have to put your credit card in. Okay, but, don't, but you're not gonna be charged. No, but don't run an ad. It's like a hack okay. to their system. They're gonna hear this and then they're gonna change this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what you've just been how many years you know what i heard on commerce t yeah you know what i heard on (laughs) commerce t rain's been using google adwords like this for years so that's a free tool a a paid tool that i really enjoy is moz their keyword planner is incredible it it's the best one and you don't have to do all of the the work that I just said except you should still do the part where you look at your competitors and you survey their keywords yeah I mean it's good to do competitor research regardless regardless not not just for SEO reasons you should know who your competitors are yeah for CRO reasons too right like how are they checking out what are their weaknesses oh they don't have a fast checkout option where there's like Apple Pay or Shop Pay well I'm going to have it right there's so many reasons to look at your competitors plus they're your competitors exactly you should know what your competitors are doing you want to win right that's it yeah (laughs) okay so now we have keywords what do we do with these keywords So you use the keywords all over the place. And by all over the place, I'm going to just say, I'm going to say these words and we're going to kind of then put them on a shelf and we will take a deep dive into them later. You're going to want to use the keywords in your titles and your meta descriptions. Your titles are the blue links that you see when you do a search inquiry. The meta descriptions, you don't actually, okay, here's the thing about titles and meta descriptions that no one ever says. Google does not read them. Your consumer, your buyers do. Now, do you need to use a keyword there if it doesn't make sense? The answer to that is no. If you think it will drive a click, then yes. Also, something important about meta descriptions, uh, Google says that it's at 160 characters as, as your limit. I'm seeing and have been seeing now for two months 
that it's truncating at 130 characters on desktop and mobile. That's okay. That's not published anywhere, though, on the internet. That's not said anywhere, but that's something that I've noticed. So you also wanted to make, to make it short and actionable, right? Back in the day, Google did crawl those things, and so you people would try to put as much information as possible. No, you write your title and your, your meta description to get people to click into your store because that is the traffic. That is the point of entry to your store. The other place you put keywords is in your alt text, which is the... Those are the words that live next behind your picture. Can you describe alt text from a developer type perspective? Yeah. So if a if a picture is there are two ways. If a picture is not loading, it provides some kind of insight to what that picture is actually supposed to be. Second, if you're using a screen reader, it describes what the image is because obviously if you're listening to a screen reader you can't see what that image is so it's the it's the description it's the it should be a detailed description of each of the images that are on your website thank you so much for doing that because kelly describes that so much better than i than i ever could i'm always like you just need it because but 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 the the other from the seo perspective you are giving google the answer to what your image is because otherwise google just sees an image right it just is it just sees equal image img that that that's nothing yeah um so you're telling google what it is and then you're also helping that picture get found on google image search which is an interesting search behavior that is starting to become more and more prevalent people are putting the search query in and instead of searching through google which is how I search, they're going and they're clicking on images and they're searching by image. I do that all the time. See, I I don't do that ever, but my daughter and husband do. And so it, it's an interesting search behavior, but if you do not have alt text, you will not show up on that page, ever. Right. There are so many reasons you should have alt text. And there, yeah, there's SEO so- is a minor benefit. <laughs> yeah, the exactly. Accessibility point is the major benefit yes. of why you should absolutely 100% be spending time writing alt text. 100%. And when you're writing the alt text, like Alana Davis, who's iconic, she always says to write it like you're explaining the product over the phone to somebody. Like I'm calling up Kelly and saying, okay, girl, I'm about to buy these shoes. Here's what they look like. So I'm not just saying white sneaker. I'm like, they are. Yeah, shoes. No, you don't want to do that. You don't want to just template in your product title. Stop doing that. Stop templating. Also, Google doesn't like templating. They know you're templating. It's not a secret. I know it's a lot of work. I know know it's it's a lot of work. It's exhausting trying to find ways to describe things more, more than once, especially if you have your products split up by like different different products or different or different colors or different products but it is so important to spend that time writing those alt text right. writing well we can go all into all of the product descriptions and all of that but that is for another episode regardless i think we said this last time we're going to have Ilana davis on to yeah talk she's accessibility incredible. yeah these are all hills i'll die on by the way every single thing that i'm saying um, I know we talked to, or, uh, on another episode, what hills will we die on? All of these are hills I'll die on. And here's another hill I'll die on. Blogging. And here's... People could hear me put my arms oh up. Oh my God. Ba, ba, ba. Here's why I'll die on this hill. <laughs> See, I don't need a soundboard. I'll be my own soundboard. Here's why I'll die on this hill. And it's because 
people will tell me all the time, Rian, I do not need to blog because nobody reads it. And my response is always and has been for years. I don't care if nobody reads it because Google will read it. But besides that, people will read it. Make your blog people a resource. Also, that's where you get, when you do all this keyword research, you're going to get some funky long tail keywords and you're going to think, how the heck am I going to ever put this these keywords into, oh, and I didn't even mention your product descriptions. You also need to put your keywords in your product descriptions. How am I going to fit these long tail? This is like a six word long tail keyword. Where, where am I going to put this? In your blog. In fact, write an entire blog about it because you, you're going to get some keyword suggestions that are so good, but are so long. You can write an entire blog, which should be 500 words, by the way. It's write about it. Be a At resource. least 500 words. At least 500 words. Also, if you are selling something um, like, I don't know, I'm looking right next to me, like a hydro flask, tell me why it's important. Tell me the impacts about it. Each of these can be separate blogs. So not only have you done this on the PDP product description page, you then reify it on your blog. And that will gain traffic. Whether you think it will or not, eventually it will. Important to note, make sure you have buy buttons on your blogs and you also internally link from your blog to the product. Two reasons why. One is, well, that's how you need people to go and buy your stuff. But two is, is Google actually likes internal linking on your store. They, they yeah. look at that favorably. So I think those are all the things I can think of off the top of my head. I think it's also worth noting that you should blog at a regular cadence. Oh, yeah. Make sure you're publishing once a week, once every other week, just some regular cadence because if you're not, and and what's the point? Especially when people want to post the the dates, like the published date of their blog post, and the last one was from June 2019, and it is currently September 2020. I know you're not active. Yeah, and don't, and this is something I'm actually personally terrible at, and it's a weakness of mine. Uh, But, Google. You have weaknesses? I have weaknesses. I know it's hard to believe, but we all do, I think. I'm finding yours, Kelly, one day. So uh, one thing that's also important to know about blogging is Google, and this counts for reviews as well, which is a, a whole other topic and doesn't have anything to do with keywords, but it's why reviews on your store are important besides building trust. And and that is it shows consistent new content. Google favors and it's a signal to Google that you are relevant by having continue continuous new content. Exactly. Blogs, reviews are the easiest way to do that, especially if you have, you know, a flagship product, which a lot of folks do. You have that one piece, well, you're not going to rewrite your product description every other week. So what can you do? Reviews, blog. Exactly. So what do you say we close this episode out with one final thought about SEO? Okay. This is important, y'all. SEO is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's actually kind of a series of marathons. Maybe it's an ultra marathon. And so it's if the you, worst kind of marathon. It's the worst. Like marathons are already brutal. <laughs> it's the worst kind of marathon. But it's it's like that old adage too, right? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So if you just listen to this all and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't done any of this stuff. Where do I start? Start somewhere. Block off in your calendar 
30 minutes a day to take some action. And when you do that, you will start chomping away at your tasks and you will start with that sprint, which really starts as a walk. So that's how you have to get started. I know it can be overwhelming. I've done SEO when I was consulting on stores that have thousands of products. It takes a long, long time. But And, it, and then it also takes a long time for the results to be had. Do not exactly. lose faith. Keep it up. It will pay off. I promise. That's my last thought. That's a great last thought. All right. Let's go do some shout outs. So... If you're new to the podcast, we do a weekly store shout out on each episode. It's a Shopify store that's inspiring us or we think is cool or we really like their products, whatever it might be. So, Rian, what is your store shout out this week? I'm really excited about this because I just got it. It is called Our Place. It's from ourplace.com and it is a awesome saucepan that also it's like a it's like a six in one eight in one I don't know how many in one saucepan because it has like a steamy basket and it has a pourry bit and it's got do you like that I'm obviously I cook a lot um <laughs> and it's just it's really great I also with it I got the bundle so look at me getting upsold too I got the bundle which came Ooh. with glasses and bowls and plates besides the fact that the product is rad the website is amazing their store is well-designed, it's clean, it's functional, it's fast. I love it. Kelly, what is your store? My store this week is Blender Bottle. So I've been a fan of Blender Bottles for a while, long while. I bought my first one while I was an undergrad. Um, they're really useful if you're doing any kind of like smoothies, anything that needs to be like any kind of shake because it has this like metal ball that's inside of it that helps kind of mix everything up for you. Um, their website looks really great. It's super easy to use. It's very clean and well, I like their products. So that's why I'm shouting out Blender Bottle. Yeah, it's a great reason. Well, Kelly, this has been fun. You gave me a platform to talk about my favorite thing forever. I try to, I try to give you that platform every now and then. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. You are so, so welcome. I am still playing on the Blender Bottle website. I'm not going to lie. They have like some really cool micro interactions. I'm a big fan of micro interactions. So whenever I see them in action, I just like click and click and click and click. I am that. I'm, I'm the one person who is just ruining their uh, their heat map and like video recordings. And like, why are there so many clicks in this area? Oh, people really love this. No, it's just Kelly. Yeah, what's this? Yeah, our anyway. place is like, why has this person been on our website for 40 minutes? And not taken action. And done nothing. Scrolled and around done a bit. Nothing. <laughs> Our least favorite kind of customer. Yeah. Well, yes. with that, we'll uh, we'll close up this episode because we covered a fair bit. But as you said, they're only scratching the surface on SEO. So we're going to be doing a, a series of episodes on SEO, kind of digging more into the the nitty gritty of know how you can really optimize your store not only with keywords and blogging but please do that we have some key takeaways so you're you now have your homework so make sure you get to work we'll see you next week thanks for tuning in and thanks again to our sponsors for supporting this episode you can subscribe to commerce tea on your favorite podcasting service we post new episodes every tuesday so grab your mug and join us see you next week
Clocked In is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockedin.io or in the Shopify App Store.